Before we get into this episode, we have a quick favor to ask you. If you love our show, please scroll down to the review section of your favorite podcast platform and leave us a five-star rating. If you have a few more seconds, please also leave us a review telling us what you like most about our show. We read every single one of these and we appreciate them so much. This will also help us grow and get into the ears of those who love true crime and food as much as you do. Thanks and enjoy the episode. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Unsavory, where true crime meets food. Hi, everyone. I'm Becca. And I'm Sarah. And you're listening to Unsavory. I think we can both agree that finding a foreign object in our food can be pretty repulsive. I once swallowed a piece of glass at a restaurant, and I still wonder if it's bopping around in there. Uh, One time I found a loose screw in a restaurant salad. That was fun. Did it go in your mouth? It did not, thankfully. The piece of metal was pretty noticeable. I think it was from a blender or something. Oh, boy. Okay. Yeah, the only surprise objects I feel like I would approve of in my food are those like loonies and toonies wrapped in tinfoil and baked into a birthday cake. Chocolate. Mm-hmm. But even then, I feel like you're usually given a heads up by somebody's mom that they're in there so that you don't crack a tooth. Essential information. <laughs> <laughs> Today, we're covering a scandal that became notoriously criminal. In 2005, Anna Ayala was enjoying a bowl of Wendy's famous chili when she bit down on a human finger. The legal battle that followed exposed food tampering, fraud, and attempted extortion. We're talking about the Wendy's chili finger scandal. Have you heard the story? 
I have not, and I couldn't be more excited. This really is a perfect story for unsavory. I completely agree. And this is kind of like right up there with the McDonald's hot coffee case when it comes to fast food drama. It's super interesting and not necessarily what you'd expect. But let's get into it. Are you ready? Let's do it. The information in this podcast is for entertainment and educational purposes only. If you're interested in medical nutrition therapy or personalized nutrition advice, please talk to a physician or registered dietitian in your area. If you have a history of disordered eating, be advised that nutrition details will be discussed and take the steps you need to protect your recovery journey. All the citations and relevant links for anything mentioned in this episode will be in our show notes on our website, unsavorypodcast.com. This podcast may contain coarse language, mature subject matter, and content of a violent or disturbing nature. Listener discretion is advised. This is an independently produced podcast. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can sign up as a donor through the Patreon link in our bio. If you could rate, review, follow, and share our show with your true crime and food-loving friends, that would really help us out, and we will be forever grateful. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Shout out to my sources for today's episode, which are all listed in the show notes at unsavorypodcast.com. I used an article by Williams in the New York Daily News, another by Rachel in the New York Times, and one by Mickelson for Snopes, our fave. (laughs) I also listened to two podcast episodes on this topic, True Crime with Kendall Ray and Mysteries and Histories, which are both worth a listen and also linked in our show notes. So we wouldn't have this episode without Wendy's famous chili, one of the true victims here. It's so funny, but when I was doing research for this episode, I was craving chili so, so badly (laughs) that I actually ended up making some on a writing break. (laughs) And chili is friggin' delicious. And even a story about human fingers in it could not stop me from craving it. (laughs) I'm already craving chili and we just got into this. And Wendy's chili (laughs) in particular is actually very good. Wendy's was actually seen as kind of innovative when they first came out with their first menu in 1969. It included burgers, fries, frosties, soda, and their chili, which was only 55 cents at the time. Wendy's was one of the first fast food chains to offer chili. Even our beloved Canadian Tim Hortons didn't add it to their menu until 1980. And the initial reason Wendy's offered it was actually to cut down on food waste. The founder, Dave Thomas, once claimed that they used the excess hamburger meat in the recipe rather than tossing it. Okay, that's actually such a great idea. And also, chili is a great way to use up old veggies, like old wrinkly carrots. Yeah, the carrots that are in the burgers. (laughs) 
No, like <laughs> like carrots at home that I have. I feel oh, like I, I always buy those mean. big, massive bags of carrots and I use like one carrot and then I'm like, oh, what am I going to do with the rest of these carrots? So I make a chili and it's perfect. Oh yeah. If you have like too many cans of beans, just toss them all in a chili. Mm-hmm. Easy peasy. Everything but the kitchen sink. So pretty quickly, Wendy's chili became known across North America as the perfect comfort food. To this day, it's still a combination of beef mixed with vegetables, beans, and spices. A large bowl of it includes 5 grams of fiber and 23 grams of protein, making it a pretty nutrient-dense menu option. Because of its popularity, when the chili fell victim to public scrutiny in 2005, the story blew up. The evening of March 22nd, Anna Ayala, a 39-year-old from Las Vegas, visited a San Jose Wendy's with her family. As she often did, she ordered the chili off the menu, and after stirring some crackers into it, she began to eat. And this is a quote from her. Suddenly, I chew something that's kind of hard and crunchy. I spit it out. At first, I wasn't sure what it was. We started investigating and poking it with some other people, too. That's when we find there's something that looks like a nail. (laughs) So she had bitten down on what appeared to have been a severed finger. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. I could picture it as you were reading that quote. (laughs) I know. Pretty graphic stuff. But Ayala reported that she immediately began vomiting. And then another restaurant patron named Davina Cadero said that Ayala was gasping and ran up to her in her chili saying, don't eat it. Look, there's a human finger in our chili. Oh, my gosh. Cadero went up to the counter with Ayala and overheard the staff tell her that it was likely a misshapen vegetable, which I think is like a very fair assumption for the staff to make. Yeah, it's just a baby carrot. (laughs) But upon getting a glance of it, everyone agreed that it seemed to have a fingernail. Oh my gosh. The police were called in, but since there was no indication that a crime had actually taken place, they said that this was a case of food contamination for the health department, not a police matter. Hmm. The Santa Clara... County Health Department was contacted, but they were unable to get there that evening. Why did someone find a toe in a McFlurry? (laughs) Ew, no. Um, I think that the government just closes after 4 p.m. in most places. Yes, I think that's true. (laughs) So the staff, they stuck the finger in the freezer for the next day. While Ayala's name remained anonymous, the story began spreading like wildfire quickly making its way into international headlines. When the health department finally got to the scene the next day, they did indeed confirm it was a human finger. It was about one and a half inches long, and it was well manicured, leading authorities to believe it belonged to a female. I'm curious if there was nail polish or not. So as far as I'm concerned, there was no nail polish on the finger. It just looked very well manicured. Okay, just a well-maintained cuticle. Good cuticles, probably filed nicely. (laughs) Investigators first checked with the staff who were working that day, all of whom still had their fingers. The individual who had prepared the chili for Ayala was heavily questioned, but they were a trusted employee of over 10 years and were quickly ruled out. Investigators then checked DNA and fingerprint databases with no matches. Wendy's made a statement saying, it's important for us to find out the truth. And with no leads, they offered $50,000 to anyone who could help them identify the owner of the finger. As you can imagine, Wendy's sales began to drop, especially in the San Jose area. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I was hungry for chili at the start, but now it's making me a little bit queasy. 
Honestly, I had already reached this point in my research when I decided to make chili. So I don't know why it didn't turn me off. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing can turn you off chili. Uh, No. (laughs) As I mentioned, up to this point, Ayala remained anonymous. That is, until she did an exclusive interview on Good Morning America. In the interview, she said she suffered severe distress after the incident and was thinking about suing. She was quoted saying, The thought of, you know, just knowing there was a human remain in my mouth, it is disgusting. It is tearing me apart inside. She then hired attorney Jeffrey Janoff, who eventually also represented five other clients who ate Wendy's chili at the same restaurant on the same day. He claimed it was a strict product liability case since no one expects to find body parts in their food, and that something must be done to ensure that it never happens again. As if Wendy's didn't already know that this wasn't acceptable. And with that, they filed a lawsuit against Wendy's. But some things weren't adding up in the minds of the Wendy's execs. They had hired Dr. Lynn Bates to conduct an internal investigation. Bates is well-known in the food forensics world, specializing in forensic food microscopy. That sounds so cool. Mm Mm-hmm. He found multiple inconsistencies in Ayala's story. For example, there was no saliva or bite marks on the finger, even though Ayala had claimed to have bitten into it. Also, there was no way that the finger could have been cooked in the chili based on Wendy's preparation standards, which were that it must be cooked at 170 degrees for three hours. This meant that the finger would have had to have been added either during or after the cooking process. But again, all the staff had all their fingers. I think it's so cool that they can just look at the finger and tell all of that just by the food forensic science piece. Right. Science is so cool. Even though the majority of the evidence pointed to the finger being added on site at the Wendy's, they did their due diligence and also looked into the supply chain. But no injuries were reported by any suppliers during this time period either. And it is required by law that they do so. And it's just simply like not in their best interest to not report these types of injuries. So they kind of ruled ruled this out as well. They then became concerned that someone had tampered with the final food product on purpose. But who and why? They had all the staff participate in a polygraph test and everyone passed, including the employee who had prepared and handled Ayala's chili, who was getting some serious flack in the media. With no obvious options left, they launched a criminal investigation and began to look into Ayala. Oh, wow. A criminal investigation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, they didn't know where, like, they didn't know the source of the finger, even after exhausting all of these different avenues, which led public health investigators and the public to believe that this was either, like, a food tampering case or possibly even the remnants of a homicide. Yeah, I mean, where would they even get a human finger? Exactly. And we'll get to that soon. It took no time to dig up some pretty interesting dirt on Ayala. So it turns out she had a very long history of filing lawsuits against companies and then accepting cash settlements before trial. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. They found she had filed at least 13 lawsuits in the past, some on her own, and others involving her young children. One of her earliest suits was in 1998 when she sued a former employee for sexual harassment on her very first day on the job. 
She also sued General Motors and Goodyear after a car accident she was in, but that case was dismissed on prejudice, meaning it could never be brought back to court. She also sued the El Polo Loco fast food chain in Las Vegas, claiming that her daughter had contracted salmonella while eating there. But it's unclear if she received a settlement in this case. And I would never even consider suing a restaurant for food poisoning in Canada. And I've had a lot of food poisoning. But I guess we also don't have to pay for our hospital stays here, which makes all the difference. Yeah, that's interesting. I definitely wouldn't think of suing either. It almost feels like if you're eating out and you get food poisoning, it's kind of part of the risk you take from eating out of your house. And it doesn't happen too often, but I think you could probably sue if maybe like someone passed away from food poisoning or had really long-term detrimental effects. Um, but if you got sick and recovered, it would kind of just be a story to tell at parties. Totally. The San Jose and Las Vegas police obtained a search warrant for Ayala's home. To the media, she claimed that during the raid, her family was thrown out of their house, her daughter was injured due to excessive force, and that they were humiliated in front of their neighbors. However, some neighbors spoke out saying that that wasn't what they had witnessed and that the situation was far less dramatic than portrayed by Ayala. The media, who was initially super empathetic towards Ayala, began to turn on her. She quickly became the butt of every Wendy's joke on late-night TV. The headlines that once referred to her as a victim began referring to her as that chili finger lady. Then on April 12th, less than a month after the incident, Ayala decided to drop the lawsuit. She claimed that the whole ordeal caused her great emotional distress and continued to be difficult emotionally. She wanted to forget about it. But Wendy's was like, oh, hell no. They had lost at least $1 million a day in revenue since the incident. Despite offering free Frosties to patrons in locations around San Jose. Employees also had to be laid off, so people were really suffering from this incident because of the loss of sales. They weren't about to just drop this, and they were determined to get to the bottom of it. Investigators soon got a call on their tip line with even more juicy details about Ayala. Not only had she filed all those lawsuits, some of which with no legs, but she was also involved in some real estate fraud. According to the caller, three years earlier, she sold her boyfriend's mobile home to a woman named Bertha Davila. English was not Bertha's first language, and so Ayala translated all communications between her and the real estate agent. Ayala collected the down payment for the home, and Bertha and her children moved in. Not even three weeks later, they received a call from a finance company stating that the home was in default on the mortgage and that they had to move out within the next three days. It turns out that Anna didn't actually have the right to sell the mobile home and it still legally belonged to her boyfriend. Something that I think must have been lost in translation in the communication with the real estate agent. When Bertha confronted Ayala, she refused to refund the down payment and Bertha ultimately lost her life savings in this scam. To add to this, there was also some suspicion around the involvement of Ayala's current boyfriend, James Placencia. He had a bit of a fishy history himself, owing over $400,000 in child support and in using like fake IDs to avoid paying taxes. Both him and Anna were arrested on April 21st, but not for the chili finger. 
Anna was arrested for real estate fraud, and James was arrested for his unpaid child support and tax fraud. The walls were kind of starting to close in on them, and I feel like authorities just wanted to get them in jail as soon as possible. Yeah, at least they got them for something while they could keep investigating. Yeah, they were definitely like suspects number one and two, and they were just like, we have to have to get these people behind bars. For sure. Okay, so with them behind bars for the wrong crimes, Wendy's upped their reward for information to $100,000, which to me seems like so much money. But when you consider how much they were bleeding out every day because of the bad publicity that this chili finger incident had caused, it makes sense. More tips rolled in, and I wrote here, fingertips, LOL. (laughs) That's good. And a few of the tips were seriously investigated. First, there was a Mexican rancher who had recently lost his finger in a work accident. Mexican authorities reported it to the American investigators, but it was quickly ruled out. Yeah, I feel like a rancher wouldn't have well-manicured fingers. Mm -mm. Probably not. But next, a woman named Sandy Allman called in, and she claimed that it might be her finger. She lived in Parump, a town only an hour from Las Vegas, where Ayala lived. And she had lost the tip of her finger after being attacked by a leopard a month before the Wendy scandal went down. Sorry, a leopard? Yes. <laughs> so she had actually like worked for a rescue, and she was in the process of rescuing some exotic animals when one of them took off the tip of her finger. But when she was in the hospital, and they were unable to reattach it, and they took the finger away, and it was the last that she had ever seen of it. And apparently the hospital staff couldn't account for the whereabouts of the finger either, which is definitely suspicious. Yeah, that's unsettling. Mm-hmm. Allman offered to do some DNA testing, but because of the size of her lost finger, DNA was never taken because hers was about half of the size of the one that Ayala had had in her chili. So it didn't check out. That seemed so close. Mm-hmm, so close. There's even a rumor going around that Ayala may have taken the finger from her aunt who had recently passed away. So this this ish got like weird and pretty dark. But ultimately, this rumor could not be proven. Exhume her. They could prove it that way. Yeah. So I don't, I honestly don't know how they disproved it. Maybe it was just a matter of time when things started to actually come out. But there was no mention of needing to dig up any bodies. Maybe she was cremated. Possibly. Finally, on May 13th, the owner of the finger was found. Investigators received two tips that aligned, one from an anonymous source and the other from Mike Casey, the owner of the asphalt maintenance company that James and his boyfriend worked at. A few months earlier in December, one of Mike's employees named Brian Rositer had lost his finger when his hand got caught in the tailgate of a truck. Apparently in January, he brought his severed finger to work, I guess to show it off. Oh my gosh. And it turns out this this guy, Brian, actually owed Jamie some money. So between like, I think it was a 50 and $100. But Jamie basically said, if you give me your finger, we'll call our debt even. Weird. So with some hesitation, Brian asked what he would do with the finger. And Jamie straight up disclosed his plans. He then allegedly offered Brian $250,000 if the plan were to go successfully. Okay, that's so sketchy for Brian to do because if they get caught, they quite literally have his fingerprint. That's so true. I don't even know. I didn't think of that about that. But 
I guess Brian didn't think about it much either. Hmm. And I'm kind of convinced that Brian might have been this anonymous caller because I don't know how they would have gotten this level of detail otherwise, but he was probably watching this whole scenario go down and realize that their plan was kind of falling apart and maybe one just collect on some of this reward. Anyways, DNA did confirm that it was Brian's finger. Nice. Brian coming in with a manicure. He's got nice fingers, I guess. Yeah. For a mechanic. <laughs> yeah. So they were asphalt's, um, yeah, probably a mechanic. Or asphalt. Asphalt maintenance. On April 21st, Ayala was arrested on some new charges for the Wendy's case, attempted grand larceny. In September, her and her boyfriend, Jamie, pled guilty to conspiring to file a false claim and for attempting grand theft with damages over $2.5 million. It's estimated that in total, Wendy suffered about $21 million in lost business because of their fraudulent claim. In January, Ayala was given a nine-year prison sentence and Jamie was given 12 years, which is kind of wild to me because I would have thought that Ayala would have received more for actually committing the crime and being the face of the crime. Yeah, totally. But I guess she couldn't have done it without the goods. <laughs> she was later resentenced to only four years because of a technical sentencing error in her trial. Um, so the judge had apparently given her an additional five years that they shouldn't have. Um, so the sentencing, it should have all gone through the jury. But for these five years, <laughs> I guess the judge was just like, I love Wendy's. <laughs> Here's five more years. But because of this, her sentence was shortened and she was released after only four years with a huge condition. And that was that she was never to step foot in a Wendy's again. Oh, <laughs> I love that. I couldn't find any information on when Jamie was released, but he must be out by now because the, even the 12 years has passed. He's probably just maybe trying to keep a low profile. And then in addition to the prison sentence, Ayala was ordered to pay a whopping $21.8 million to Wendy's. But Wendy's, being the kind-hearted institution that they are, said that they wouldn't collect the money as long as Ayala and Placencia did not try to benefit financially from their story. That seems like a really nice call on Wendy's part. I agree. I agree. I think they just wanted to put this to rest and... yeah move on with their lives. Yeah, for sure. I didn't know about this story. And so I think they did a good job at moving on. Yeah. I also, I agree. I think that this is likely why we haven't heard too much about this case since then. So props to Wendy's. <laughs> they got what they wanted. But I guess she did do an interview later on. So <laughs> in an interview in 2010, Ayala later apologized for the whole scandal, admitting to have having cooked the finger in her home before driving it to San Jose and putting it in the chili. That is so gross. Yeah, I know. Like, where do you even think of doing that? Did she boil <laughs> it in a pot? Like someone's human finger? Mm. That's just so much commitment to this fraud. And the finger wasn't new. It had been off for months. So like, was it in the freezer? I don't know. I have too many questions. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, Ayala, she did not cook it up to Wendy's rigorous standards. Had it been, I actually feel like this would have opened the door to so many more possibilities within the supply chain. She may have even gotten away with this entire thing. You're right. Like if she had cooked it at 170 for three hours, how would they have known? Because that was one of the immediate red flags. Yeah. She honestly probably mm. should have called Wendy's first and asked them how they make their chili. Yeah. 
But instead, she didn't cook it properly and she was publicly ridiculed and sent to prison. She was then quoted saying, I learned my lesson and I just want to move on with my life. But she hadn't actually learned her lesson. Hmm. Ayala stayed out of the limelight for a few years until June 2013, when she pled no contest to filing a false police report, being an accessory to a felony, and being a felon in possession of a firearm for her help in hiding a gun. Okay. In 2012, her son had accidentally shot himself in the ankle, but because he was on parole at the time and he would have received jail time, they both lied, the son and Ayala, and they Mm -hmm. said that he was shot by two men. Ayala's description of one of the men was so detailed that police had actually found a suspect. Oh. But when the two were presented with photos of the suspect, their story began to fall apart. She was sentenced to another two years in prison for her part in this crime. She just can't stop lying. No. Like, when will she learn her lesson? None of these lies are working out. Yeah, I think lie number was this lie number 15. Yeah. Kind of did it. Yeah. After this other two-year prison stint, I think she learned her lesson because we don't hear Famous much last about words, her. though. Yeah, I mean, true. you never know. I've learned my lesson. Never say that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that's the story of the Wendy's chili finger scandal. I feel like if we learned anything here, it's that food tampering can be a serious crime with serious consequences if you get caught. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, I think their biggest mistake here was going after a company with enough resources for a full-blown private investigation. Had they gone after a smaller chain, it's likely that only like the the police and health department resources would have been used and they may have gotten away with it. Yeah, and possibly put a small chain out of business. Oh, absolutely, which would have been terrible. Mm -hmm. But they didn't. And Wendy's is huge and they had to protect their image. They could offer the big reward and hire the best investigators and lawyers. And it was kind of silly of them to think that they might just pay up and let this whole thing go, especially considering a human finger was involved and not just like a bug or a piece of glass. Definitely. Something more believable or like less extreme. Less intense. Yeah. Bottom line, if you're going to try to extort a company, maybe don't go for one with so many resources at their disposal to use against you. But also, please don't go for mom and pop shops either. Maybe just don't get involved in this type of crime at all. Because with food forensics now, it's becoming all way too traceable. Yeah. And just leave human body parts out of it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's something so creepy about the fact that it was actually a finger of somebody she knew. Yeah. And now that I know she cooked it at her home, like there's a lot of steps here, a lot of points where she could have said, no, this is too far. Very premeditated. Very. And it's also scary how close she was to getting away with it. Like she had the media's empathy on her side. And maybe if she'd remained anonymous, she actually would have flown under the radar completely. No, I agree because there wouldn't have been a face to this. And I feel like the media would have allowed it to kind of fizzle out a bit. Mm -hmm. And then Wendy's, Wendy's profits might not have gone down as much and she might have just received a settlement. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. But in the end, I I kind of do feel that she did get away with it, considering she only served four years and Wendy's lost millions of dollars and some employees actually lost their livelihoods. Mm-hmm. And she's not a household name. Like we don't, people don't really know about this crime. It's been buried. 
Mm-hmm. No, so she true. did kind of get away with it. She did kind of come out unscathed. And I do hope that some of that money that Wendy's, well, I guess they didn't collect the money. I hope Wendy's yeah. compensated the employees. I mean, they bounced back. We know they did. We know they did. Yeah. <laughs> and they still have the same menu. They do. Classics. Such classics. <laughs> Anyways, that's it for today's episode. Yeah, super creepy, fascinating. And that's such a perfect story for unsavory. It's got food, it's got crime. And now I'm hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Go get yourself some chili. I will. Thanks for listening, everyone. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unsavory. You can find all of the references and materials used to put this episode together in our show notes at unsavorypodcast.com. This is an independently produced podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love it if you would rate, review, follow, and share our show with your true crime and food-loving friends. This is the best way that you can support us for free. If you'd like to donate to our podcast, you can sign up as a donor through our Patreon link in our bio. For more information, follow us on Instagram at unsavorypodcast. If you have an idea for an episode or segment, email us at unsavorypod at gmail.com. This podcast was recorded and edited by Jeff Devine. Learn more at Jeff Devine Sound on Instagram. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.